Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. to give you guys a good New Life Church welcome. Uh, also, you guys watching online, uh, we're glad to have you today. Um, if you are a first-time visitor, I am not your campus pastor, um, but I would like to very much so give my respects uh, to pastors James and Cody. Man, I, I've just always had such a reverent respect for, for James and Cody and what they do and their vision they have here and the way that they love you guys. Uh, so can we give it up for your pastors just one time in the house, please? Something else, uh, I, I really want to thank Pastors Rick and Michelle, uh, lead pastors of New Life Church, man. I am so glad that they were loyal to, to the call and, and that they left <sighs> Louisiana and come to the promised land up here in Arkansas, right? Um, but they followed that vision because something crazy is, um, man, I, I, I've actually, I rededicated my life in three different New Life Church buildings over a span of about eight years before I had ever took. <laughs> I jokingly say that, but I'm just telling you, there, there, there are some things that we go through as individuals sometimes that prevent us from actually entering into the presence of God. And I, and I was one of those people uh, who I was desperately seeking after Christ, um, but I just never could really get it right. And so I just want to let you guys know that there, there is still hope uh, for, for some people that are believing in that for other people in their lives. But my wife, Ashley, and I, and our two beautiful girls, get that picture of my babies up there. There we go. Yeah, give them an awe. Uh, Bella, she just turned one. Uh, Blakely, she's two and a half. But that is us in a nutshell. Athletic wear on a trail somewhere. Uh, we absolutely love it. Well, my wife and I, when we first met, she, uh, she thought that I was just the biggest nature buff, like I was like a professional hiker. Uh, turned out I was just broke, and national parks were free, and uh, so we uh, we fell in love uh, seeing some of the most beautiful scenery across this land, and that's still something that's, that's near and dear to our heart. Um, but like we've uh, like it's been mentioned, we are the executive directors of a ministry called M18 Recovery. Um, if you guys are wondering what that service slide is in the mornings, uh, that will be the one that you can point your friends and family to. Uh, what we are is we're a residential recovery facility for men currently overcoming addiction. Uh, in Jesus' name, please join us in prayer. Uh, one day we want to be able to take women uh, without a shadow of a doubt. We know that this is something that, that we're called to do as a church. Um, it's crazy because we've had over 250 applications since August of 2019, and uh, we only have capacity for 10. We used to have capacity for four. It's a four-month program. We've had 30 graduates. We've had 80 people come through the program. And so we have nowhere near the capacity to service the 250 applicants that we've received. And what that basically is, is there's people saying, I'm going to die if I don't get help, but I'm willing to give Jesus a chance. Those are the people that we want to reach out to and that we want to pastor, because I'm telling you, we watch miracles happen every day. Just for instance, we get to baptize people in downtown Little Rock. How stinking cool is that? Like, I just remember before I was a Christian, the things that I would do on the streets of downtown Little Rock, and it was not baptisms. Uh, so I'm uh, happy that God is a God of redemption and that he will allow us to redeem our past. 
Uh, it's crazy because nine years ago today, I was in jail. Like, how crazy is that? Show that picture. Picture's worth a thousand words. I don't know how many that's worth. But I'm telling you, I was TSA's worst nightmare, right? Uh, the, the, the irony in that was I looked like the love child of like Saddam Hussein and Brooke Shields or something. Like, I don't even really know. But it, it, was, uh, it was a crazy day. But the coolest part about that picture is that I was actually, that was my first day in Christ. I dedicated my life to Christ in handcuffs. So the, the Sharp County Sheriff's Department, they come in my house and the, they, they arrested me. And I remember telling them, I said, thank you. I said, I don't know what was coming up next. I said, but I was gonna die here. And I didn't know like what was gonna happen with my life from that point on. But I knew that it had to be better than what I had just left. Uh, I was in a rough spot. I was wearing a bathrobe, irony, hadn't bathed in seven days, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't even understand it, but... But nevertheless, man, my life was saved and it was radically transformed. I remember in handcuffs that day, I told Jesus, I said, if you'll use me, I'm yours. Like, I mean it. And, uh, and he did. Uh, he, he put me on a path. I ended up staying two and a half years. John 316 Ministries, a phenomenal place. That's where I found life. Uh, and then from there, Pastor Rick, our founding pastor, met me in rehab. And then my wife and I planted a church. So one of two things that can be said about Pastor Rick, either he's a lunatic or a visionary because he met someone in rehab and then believed in them and allowed them to plant a church. And then so today, because of that, my lovely wife, Ashley, and I, we uh, have now decided that recovery ministry is where we're at. We couldn't get away from it. Like, that's what we're called to do. We're called to pastor people that are addicted. In that, it's given us two different things. One that call that we had on our life, that, 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 that transformational that God has performed in our lives, it's given us a substantial faith for believing in the redemptive and the resurrecting power of Christ, right? You can have faith in a lot of different areas. Like you, you can have faith for provision, you can have faith for miracles, you can have faith for healing, like you can have faith in a lot of different things, but we specifically have a special form of faith in which that we believe without a shadow of a doubt, God can radically transform your life and the lives of your loved ones. We believe it, we see it every day. Secondly, what it's done for us is it's allowed us to redeem our past failures for God's purpose. That's what God wants to do to a lot of people in this room. He wants you to open up about the things that you have struggled with, open up about your failures and talk about them because I'm telling you right now, the reason I'm standing up here isn't because of how good I was. It's because of how horrible I was and how good he is. That's it. When we can finally come to the end of ourselves and admit that, God can work miracles in your life and he's wanting to use the stories of each and every single person in here to help build his kingdom here on this earth. Can we give it up for God in that moment right there? I believe that with all my heart. One of the coolest things that we get to do on a daily basis is we get to watch the restoration of these men's lives. We get to help them reach their full potential in Christ. And, and the potential, that's the neatest thing ever because each and every one of us, we have potential. What potential is, is potential is the difference in where you're at currently versus where you could be, right? We all have that. We all have that gap. I, I look around and I see people, and I don't know specifically your stories, but I know we've got teachers in here. I know we've got attorneys in here. I know we've got politicians. I know we've got inventors. I know we've got authors. I know we have small group leaders. 
We've got pastors, we've got pilots, we have all of the above in here. Think about, just for one moment, what if you were operating at the highest capacity that you were created? Think about that. Could you imagine the good that we could do for the kingdom? Like if everyone here was operating at full capacity in their marriage, they was operating at full capacity in their serving, they was operating at full capacity. I'm not talking about time. I'm talking about quality, all right? I'm not talking about if they were spending immense amount of time doing things. I'm talking about what if the maximum goodness of God had been achieved in every area of their life? It's pretty cool to think about, like what we could all accomplish. But it's been said that your potential is God's gift to you and what you do with it is your gift to God. God has put something inside the hearts of each and every one of us. Are we willing to allow him to unlock it? That's the question. You see, what we're gonna talk about today essentially is gonna be the fundamentals of personal growth because that's how you're going to reach your potential is by growth. And uh, it's really neat, I don't really wanna sound like a motivational speaker today, but there's gonna be a little element of that because some people do need encourage to get out there and to put some of this stuff into practice. But if you want to reach your full potential, you're not gonna be able to do it at the hands of a motivational book. If you wanna reach your full potential, you need God more than you ever have. Why? Because he's the designer. Like he's the one that will show you how to unlock this in your life. You read in Proverbs 16, nine, it says, in the hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You see, we get to pick what we do, but then we allow God to ordain the steps that we take to get there. So we need God more than ever with this. I want everyone to just look at their neighbor for a second, yell at them, say, there's nothing wrong with being successful. I knew you guys would have a good time with that. Some of you guys have been wanting to yell at your neighbor since y'all left the car. So you, uh, <laughs> yeah, you married people will catch that. All right, so we, uh, we, there's nothing wrong with being successful, right? Like there's nothing. Sometimes I think Christians, they get it in their mind that, that, that God never really called them to be successful. And whenever I say this, I'm not talking about mere financial success because I mean, how many people knows money you know, solves all your problems, right? Absolutely not, you know, ask Macaulay Culkin. Like, it just doesn't happen that way. There are so many other areas in life than financial that we wanna be successful in, right? And uh, it's, it's kinda neat, in Proverbs, the uh, opening verse of the, the Bible, the opening chapter, it says, uh, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. This is what the purpose of the Proverbs are. It tells us, it says, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, and to help them understand insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Hold that up there. Because first off, I want you to notice the correlation between discipline and successful, right? Like they're tied together right there. Secondly, I want you guys to take a moment and realize that there is an entire chapter of the Bible dedicated to teaching us how to be successful right? Like, I promise you, it is God's will in your life to be successful in your relationships, to be successful in your business, to be successful within your sphere of influence. Like, God wants to bless you in this. God wants you to have influence. Why? Because when we have influence, we actually get to cause more good, right? 
Like, I love whenever I find out that politicians, that community leaders, that mayors, that chief of police, like, I love whenever I find out that a lot of them are bivocational and they're actually pastors within their own church. Why? Because it lets me know where they stand whenever they're influencing policy and making huge decisions. God wants us to have influence. How do I know this? Because Jesus is our model. And it says in Luke 2.52, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. God wants us to be successful in our lives. We have to know that. This topic is just super important to me because I know that you can be different today than when you walked in. I know that whenever you submit things to Christ, you can be different, you can change, it's possible. I am living proof of that. I'm coming at you and when I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to you from someone who was just automatically perfect. I have literally fought for everything that I have ever achieved in my life through the power of Christ. I have battled morbid obesity. Uh, I weighed 370 pounds, there's 307 pounds and was a diabetic at the beginning of this year uh, and, and I almost died of COVID. I've had to battle weight. I've smoked, I've cussed like a sailor. I've been addicted to people pleasing, like anything that you can possibly think of, I'm telling you, I have battled it. And so if I come at you a little punchy today, it's not that I'm trying to ruffle your feathers. I'm trying to tell you that I have blazed this path and I know the way and God is a good God and he wants to restore you and help you become the person that he has called you to be. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the scripture reads, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old life is gone a new life has begun. Think about that word begun. It's just started. Blank canvas, plenty of room for growth. When you come to Christ, something new happens. The foundation is there, now we get to grow the structure. What are you gonna put on that canvas? See, some of you actually are in really good spots in your life and for that I'm, I'm very proud. But what I want you to do is I want you to lean in anyway and think about the areas in your life in which you can grow. I know one thing that it's human nature is whenever we are faced with trials, tribulations, problems, the tendency is, is to grow more in areas we're already good at. What do I mean by that? I mean that we will avoid focusing on things that we really need to grow in in order to feel good about ourselves, we push in deeper on things that we're already good at, we got under control. And what I'm talking about that is some of you guys have businesses that are immensely successful, but then you have marriages that are falling apart. And so instead of going to couples counseling and fixing your marriage, you double down on the work side of things. Like I'm talking about, we have problems in our life that we're not willing to face. And instead what we wanna do is we wanna double down on the things that we're good at. And so God, he wants to heal you, he wants to restore you, but he wants you to be self-aware of the areas in your life in which that are problematic. Growth, it is super important because what happens is if we're not careful, we will accidentally repeat the same year of our life over and over and over again. Like the same year that you come to know Christ and you still are going through the same struggles, you're still going through the same problems, you're still gossiping, you're still cussing like a sailor, like you're still you know, not attending any type of groups, you don't have any biblical community around you, like these things are elementary in nature whenever it comes to faith. And like I said, man, I'm not throwing punches at anyone. I'm just telling you the path that I have chosen for my life that God has set me on, these are things that I've learned. Growth is important. If you wanna grow in character, sometimes you got to to be a better person. If you want to find your purpose in life, sometimes you need to grow in self-awareness. 
Uh, sometimes you need to grow in your skill set uh, so that you can have a better career and a better life for your family. Like these are all things. But what, uh, what, what, what I wanna talk about is how do we grow? Like what, what is the process in which do we do this? Because some of us are like, yes, that sounds great. Like I wanna do that, I'm all in, what do I do? Well, first and foremost, I think that we need to be intentional. Whenever we plan to grow, it's a lot better than whenever it happens accidentally. What do I mean by that? Well, if we intentionally grow, sometimes we can eliminate a lot of the negative things that happen in our life. If we grow before something happens, instead of waiting until after it's already happened, we can eliminate a lot of trauma. And, and Ashley and I, what we do is we actually, uh, we are the recovery pastors, and so we get to see this all the time. Like there's nothing that drives somebody to their knees quicker than the threat of divorce, the threat of death, or the threat of incarceration. We see it all the time. What we actually call this is we call this like a cataclysmic catalyst because there's lots of catalysts for growth, things that spur you on. Like you can have a, have a kid, uh, you know, and it causes you to grow and, and a maturity and it causes you to grow and, uh, you know, just basically adulting on all together. Uh, and then, you, you know, you can have a new marriage or you can get a promotion at work that forces you to grow. Uh, these are not bad things. These are growth catalysts. But then there are these what I call cataclysmic catalysts. Uh, that really drive people to their knees and they're willing to do anything. It was like my arrest. That was the cataclysmic catalyst. But with intentional growth, whenever you plan to grow, it actually eliminates some of this negative stuff that comes along with it. Because if instead of waiting until the police arrested me, if I would have just put down drugs and decided to grow that way and get in church and become a part of a small group and allow people to disciple me, then I could have eliminated a lot of the negative that come along with it. Uh, one of the ways that I always tell people to grow is to just the intentionality. Be a part of a small group. Read a book. Take a class. Figure out what it is that you're lacking in, whatever it is that you're deficient, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, and then pursue that. Uh, I know in Proverbs, in chapter 27, verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so as one person sharpens another. One thing that we teach at M18 is that it is exponentially harder to do the wrong thing when you're surrounded by the right people, right? Like whenever you surround yourself by people that are doing right, that are upholding the, the will of God in their life, that are positive influences, you're always gonna have a better outcome with your life. So start being intentional about growing today. Don't wait like me until you get diagnosed with diabetes to start watching your weight, you know? Don't wait until you have already had an affair before you learn how to put boundaries up with the person of the opposite sex. Instead of waiting until you uh, file bankruptcy, like how about we cut up our credit cards today and we start taking steps towards financial peace? There's so many ways that we can grow without having these negative things that happen with a cataclysmic uh, catalyst. Uh, it's kind of funny, this joke that I'm about to tell, it's, a, it's usually for one person. So wherever you're at, you're welcome. Uh, there, was a, uh, there was a group that I used to listen to every now and then. I haven't always been saved. You guys know that I showed you my mugshot. So no apologies, but don't Google this. Uh, there was a group called South Park Mexicans. And uh, there we go, we found them. All right, so, uh, 
so in that, uh, there was this one skit that they did, and, uh, and it was like, hey, man, uh, did you see Carlos the other day? And he was like, yeah, man. He's like, what's up with Carlos? And they said, well, they said, uh, he found Jesus. And he said, he goes, wasn't he in the county? <laughs> and, and they said, uh, he goes, yeah, he was in the county. He's like, oh, man. He's like, why is all these people going to church? It's like, Jesus is in the county. <laughs> and like, I joke, but like, that's so true. It's because whenever people have nowhere else to go, they finally realize that all they had to do was look up the entire time. One of the things that I've learned, though, about this cataclysmic catalyst, whether it be a bad health diagnosis or whether it be, you know, a threat of divorce or whether it be incarceration, um, you can find God in a real way because I did. But this next thing that I'm about to say, there's three or four people that this might be the most important thing that you've heard this entire message, that whenever you're undergoing change for one of these catalysts in your life, Focus really hard on changing yourself, not restoring the situation. Because here's what happens. Some people, instead of actually focusing on having a heart change throughout this process, they focus on reconciling the situation. And sometimes they do reconcile the situation, but without the heart change, they're only gonna find themselves in the exact same situation at a different time and date. Uh, And so please just know that. Um, Second thing that we have to focus on whenever we are personally growing is developing a vision. Scripture blatantly says in Proverbs 29, 18, that where there's no vision, people perish. Like people will perish for lack of vision. We watch this time and time again. If you don't have anything that you are aiming towards, Zig Ziglar says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it 100% of the time. Like, that's it. If you don't have a true north, if you don't have goals, if you don't have things that are in your life that are driving you, that are pushing you forward, then we can just drift and we can never really move in any direction. And it's like, how do you know if you're winning or losing? You know, like, it's like we just wander aimlessly and we never really know where we truly stand. And so it allows us to make just horrible decisions because we don't have anything that we're aiming towards. If we're not trying to become more like Christ, if we're not trying to you know, better our career, if we're not trying to better our life, if we're not trying to increase the quality of our family, because if we are trying to do those things and we have goals, well, then we know the decisions that we make every day, whether they push us closer to the goal or whether they take us further away. But I see people drift nonstop and they're just wandering around aimlessly, wondering why they're suffering from depression, wondering why that they just have no goals in life, like wondering why that they they can't come ahead. It's because they have no goals. They have zero aspirations in life. There's nothing that they're moving towards. Um, I I know in Habakkuk 2.2, it talks about not just the importance of having vision, but having the importance of writing it down. And uh, Habakkuk actually, he writes, says, then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision and inscribe it clearly on tablets so that one who reads it may run with it. So Habakkuk, he doesn't just say like, write it down. He, He actually says, think about it, put it into practice, write it down clear enough so that not only you know what you're doing, but so that you could pass it off to someone else and they could run with it if they chose to. It's important that we do this. This guy named Greg Reed, he's a motivational speaker. He says, a dream that is written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into steps becomes a plan. A plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. I love that. What are we doing in our life to better ourselves? How are we helping out with the growth that God wants to provide? Um, One thing I want you guys to, I wanna challenge you. um, Manage your expectations with this. And what I mean by that is don't put yourself on your timeline, put yourself on God's timeline. 
I see so many people who jump ship too soon. They leave before they get their miracle, is what we call it in recovery. Because what they want is they want God to perform the miracles and the requests that they have in their life at the speed at which they want it. And they're not willing to put in the effort day in and day out otherwise. You see, God, his timeline is different. And each and every person in this room, what I want you to understand is that you will drastically underestimate what God can do over a long period of time. And you will greatly overestimate what God's gonna do in the short. Ashley and I, we thought that we would be where we're at in our ministry within the first couple years, and it's taken us five. We knew in the very beginning that we were gonna do whatever it takes and that we were gonna keep putting in the effort and we were never gonna look back. But there were times that we could have been discouraged because we thought that God should have moved quicker. But I'm telling you, from someone that's put in the work and put in the effort, you can always look back and thank God for the slow growth because you will realize that there were things in your life that you weren't ready to handle at the time that you thought that you were ready to handle them. All right, so the third thing that uh, I want you guys to, to be prepared for, be prepared to sacrifice. Ooh, ooh, nobody wanted that one, right? We want it and we want it now. I have an addictive mentality and I'm telling you, I am somebody who wants it right this second. But what are you willing to give up? Life is about sacrifice. It's about putting aside the self-indulgent things that you want right now in order to pick up the things of God in the future. And here's the crazy thing. If we all were aware of who we were, self-awareness, the reason God created us, I promise you the things you're looking towards today are not gonna get you what you really want. You know how I know that? Because God created you. And the things that he has left us, his word in the Bible, tell us otherwise. If we'll seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, everything that we have will be added into us. That's all we have to do is to continually focus on the cross. But what are we willing to give up? Are we willing to give up maybe TV shows that we shouldn't be watching? Like who's willing to boycott The Bachelor with me? Anybody, right? No, yeah, come on, man. What are we watching? What are we putting in our minds? Because here's the thing, you might be at church, what, one hour, maybe three, some of you guys five hours a week. Uh, you might be in a small group a couple hours a week. So I mean, like really, if, we, if we're just honest with ourselves, we might maximum uh, be spending time listening to the word and then the Lord, maybe 10 hours a week. There's a lot of hours left. What are we doing with those hours? Are we pumping ourselves full of music that we shouldn't be listening to? Are we pumping ourselves full of podcasts that are building an ideology in our heads and in our minds that are unhealthy, that are not like that of God? Are we conforming ourselves more like the world? Or are we becoming more like Christ? Like which, which one is it? Because it's gotta be one or the other. What happens is we have created the shade of gray in which it's okay to be a Christian, but it's not okay to become sanctified, right? But I'm telling you, God wants to sanctify you and he wants you to become more like his son Christ. And in that, it's gonna require growth. Like this isn't a stone throwing expedition at all. Like, like in fact, I just want you guys to know that God has your best interest and your best life in front of you and everything that you're looking for, you will find seeking him. That's it, bottom line. Even Jesus, he tells us in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 and 29, he says, but don't begin until you count the cost. That cost is sacrifice. Jesus even tells us, I love this, 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 this other scripture uh, that at the end of it, he says, uh, otherwise you might complete only the foundation 
before running out of money and then everyone would laugh at you. I don't know why that cracks me up. It's something about God telling people, they're like, hey, bro, <laughs> you better count the cost, otherwise people might point and laugh, you know? Like just Jesus wagging his finger at the disciples, like it just cracks me up. But Jesus, he knew that we had to count the cost of this life. Why? Because he wants to set us up for success. He doesn't want us to end up disappointed and broken and ashamed and, you know, and people laughing at us. Like, he doesn't want that at all. He wants us to figure out what it takes to become his disciple, and then he wants us to move all in with it and be willing to put in the effort and growth and sacrifice. Like, I want us to be a church that counts the cost. Like, we understand what the costs are, that we have to give up the world, pick up our cross daily, and move forward with our lives. But I also wanna be a church that understands that that's the best case scenario for us and that heaven is real and this earth is just falling away. Like if we truly believe in eternity and that heaven is real, then what's it matter a little sacrifice today, right? Like why shouldn't everything that we do be aligned towards bringing other people to heaven with us? Like that's the mission. If, if God says store your treasures in heaven, what's the one thing you can store up? Other souls. Everything else is going away, everything else. Can we live like that today? John Maxwell, he says that you will not change your life until you change something you do every day. It's not about the sporadic sprints, right? It's about what we're willing to do in the long run. It's about the consistency that we have in our lives. It's about doing something every single day to move the change. Are you willing to evaluate your lives and to make the necessary changes, right? Like, that's what it's about. It's about looking at our lives, realizing what's working, realizing what's not working, and then leaving some stuff in and removing some stuff. That's our life. We have to constantly reevaluate. All right, number four. We have to pause for rest and reflection. Some of us wear a 100-hour work week like it's a badge of honor. That's Western civilization. That's our society. I've had to overcome this in my personal life. I, I was one of those people that thought that if you never stopped moving and you were always working, and the crazy thing is, is I was in ministry. And so I thought that was God's will. I thought that was God's design. Sometimes I'm like, hey, Lord, I don't have time to pray because I'm too busy serving you, you know? Like, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I'm like, hey, we, we can't commune, we can't conversate. Why? Because I'm, I'm serving you, you know? I'm over here doing your work, don't have time to chat about it. And I think that a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we're, we live in a society in which that we don't rest. We, we forget that God told us to do 10 things in the very beginning on the 10 commandments, wrote them in stone, and one of them was rest, right? Look at this in Psalms 127, verse two. It says, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives what? Rest to his loved ones. God gives us rest. It's super important. Did you guys know that whenever you lift weights, whenever some people, they get it confused, you're lifting weights, you're building muscle, that the muscle isn't actually built while you're lifting? In fact, it's the opposite. When you're lifting, that's when the muscle's breaking down. It's in the time of rest whenever that broken down muscle builds up larger and stronger. It's the same with life. We can't consistently break down, break down, break down, break down, break down. We have to give it a period of rest and reflection so that we can then look at what's going on in our life and then we can be built back up. 
There are people that are in this room right now that are carrying an immense amount of anxiety that a two-day trip to Greer's Ferry and a nap would probably cure. I'm telling you, yeah, give it up for my vacationers. Come on, man, let's give it up for Greer's Ferry Lake. In Psalm 46.10, it says, be still and know that I'm God. The scripture, it's not telling us to stop moving at all. What it's telling us is to understand that there are some things that only God can handle. You have to have faith in him to take care of those, right? Like if we could fix everything, why would we need God? God wants to build your faith in areas of your life that you might not even know there's a deficit. God says, be still and know that I'm God for a reason because we can spend too much time worrying about things that we have absolutely no control over. It is so important that we rest. That's the end of that point, but there actually is a second part to this message. Throughout this whole time, we've talked about personal growth. I think there's an equally important thing that we need to talk about that has to do with what if someone you're close to is going through a season of growth? Like, what if it's not about your personal growth, but what if there's someone around you that potentially has a deficit in some things? Whether they're battling mental illness, whether they're battling drug addiction, whether they're battling having faith of their own, no matter what that is, but you're in proximity with them while they're going through it. That can be difficult, right? Like my wife and I, we, uh, we met, we dated for about three months, and then I proposed that I moved to Conway, and we started planting a church in Mayflower, and then we planted Regeneration Ministry at our Greater Little Rock campus, and then we ended up uh, starting M18 Recovery and had two kids somewhere in the process. We were busy. But one thing that we both battled was uh, I have horrible ADD, and my wife has anxiety. And we thought that we were each other's enemies throughout the process. But it turned out we weren't at all. We actually loved each other very much, but we're just complex biological beings that were actually saying the same thing. We were just on two different frequencies. There are 16 Myers-Briggs personalities. There are five love languages and as many for apologies. There are so many different numbers of the Enneagram and we're actually opposite sex. Think about how much room there there is for confusion. When people are growing, there's really only one approach that you can have. It's grace, right? Like I wished so much that my wife and I would have just had grace for one another and, and, and understood that we had two totally different backgrounds, that we had two totally different set of lived experiences, that we both loved God with all of our heart. We had both come out of recovery, but we were just different in a lot of areas. And I think it's important to understand those differences because sometimes if you force the lens of your story onto someone that is close to you, it might not have the effects you desire. We're called as Christians to be salt. We're called to be the light of the world. We're called to water. We're called to plant. But we're also forced 
to yield to God to provide the growth. You see, because salt, whenever you use it sparingly, it's amazing. Adds flavor, seasoning, but whenever you add too much, it causes disease. Light, it's the same way. Whenever it's radiant, it's beautiful. Think about like rainbows and the spectrum of light and what we can do with light and stuff up here. But if everyone had a laser beam shining directly into their eye, wow, think about the damage that that would cause and how off-putting it would be. And I think that a lot of us, the closer we are to someone, we think the louder we yell, the more that they will subdue. And that's just not the case. We can cause more damage than we can actual good. And I'm saying this because I know that there's somebody here today that needs to hear this. As tragic as it is, there are some battles that can only be fought in prayer. We can only get to the Father through the Son, but there's another verse that says, we can only get to the Son unless we're drawn by the Father. And so what you want is a radical transformation of the heart that can only be provided by Jesus. And so you need to pray that God will draw your loved one close to him. Because the more each and every one of us become more like Jesus, guess what? The more alike we are, the more we get along, the more healthy we are, the less conflict we have, the more ground and territory we can take for the kingdom. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Well, guys, I am so glad that I've had the opportunity to share with you guys. And I know the Lord is wanting to do some miracles in some people's lives today. I can just feel it. Some of you guys, you're poised for growth like you've never been before. And some of you guys have reconciled with yourself that that person that you've been trying to get to do something that you want them to forever, you now know how to fight your battles. I am absolutely positive of that. But one thing that I would be remiss if I did not do, and that is to Put it out there in the atmosphere that if anyone has never had a chance to know Christ ever or would like to rededicate their life, I would love to pray for you. And so I want every head bowed and every eyes closed across this room while we give some people a moment to decide whether or not that's them. And so please just understand that over the course of an eight year period, I battled a drug addiction and I have rededicated my life in three different New Life Church campuses across the span of eight years. And if you are here today and you want to make that decision for Christ, regardless of how many times you've done it before, I want you to slip your hand up with nobody looking around. And I want today to be the day that you become a new creation and the old is gone and something new can begin. If that is you on the count of three, just slip your hand up unapologetically in one, two, three. I see hands across the room. There are so many people today and heaven is rejoicing because it says when you believe in your heart at that moment, you are saved. And so I believe right now, God, that you are drawing in people close. And so if you can just say this prayer, Lord, please enter into my life and guide me. I love you and I know where I've gone wrong. And I need you, Lord, now and forever, amen. There's a second group of people that I wanna pray for. If you don't feel like that you are reaching your potential and you might even have strongholds in your life that you feel like are preventing you from it, 
You know if that's you. This is an area that my wife and I, like I said, we have a supernatural faith for, and I would love to call down heaven in your circumstances situation. If you will raise up your hand right now and let me know who you are, we will call God and all of heaven's armies down right now to remove these strongholds in life. So Heavenly Father, God, you see the hands and you know the ones that wanted to raise them and that didn't, God. I pray right now, Lord, that you will just remove all of the strongholds and anything and the lives of us here today, God, that are preventing us from following you, God, that we cast out anything, God, that's not like you, Lord, and that you will align the lives of everyone here, God, to follow you, Lord, that you will remove temptations, that you will allow people to open up and to share and to tell stories to people that they've never told before, God, and that you will show them your grace and your mercy and that you have a redemptive power like no other, God, and all the pain and the suffering and the trauma and the turmoil that they've been through in their life, God, that's exactly where you live, Lord, and that you've been there right beside them the entire time, and you're wanting to raise them up to be a mighty army, God, because we are in the end days, God, and we know that you wish that no man should perish, Lord, and so we're going to use every single story of each person in this congregation today, God, so that we can fight the battle that you've left us to fight, Lord, and we just want you right on our side the entire time, and we never want to go anywhere, God, that you're not, Lord, and we ask for you to remain with us till end of days, and we just pray this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Can we get an amen for God? Amen.